Redden were offered a taste of the audience yesterday and almost bit off more than they could chew after going a goal down. That newfound flavour of resilience, however, once again came to the fore as a Harvey Nibs equaliser secured a succulent point for the home side to leave us with a chair still at the table in this relegation feast. Joining me tonight are not one, but two Reading Football Club experts on this episode 368 of the Tyler Stand podcast. Our first guest needs absolutely no introduction whatsoever. Bobbins, welcome and how are you, sir? I'm good. Thank you very much for having me once more. Always welcome. Always welcome on this part. And uh, Ross, um, how are you, sir? How are you? I'm doing good. I don't want to feast on relegation. I don't know if that's like a thing that I necessarily want to do, but I, I, I see where you're going with that. It's just suddenly yeah. the actual the actual food itself doesn't sound that good. You know, it's like when you go into a, a, a Chinese uh, all you can eat or whatever, and then suddenly realize that even the uh, crispy duck's not that good. You're just not at a good one. Listen, anyway. I, I, I ran out of food anecdotes towards the end of it. Right, what, what right, else yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I was like, well, what, we're in a relegation battle, but I then changed the word battle for feast. Yeah. I just, yeah. I just panicked at the end. It's all right. I think it sounded all right, though. I think, I think you did a good right. job. I think you did fine. I just, you know, suddenly uh, the last bit there struck me. So, yeah. Well, good. I'm glad I have a positive impact sometimes. That's, that's exactly. Nice. Um, before we get into the recap of yesterday's game, because we <laughs> we we seem to bounce around on this pod in terms of recording days, but we are we are trying to settle halfway through the season on doing it regularly on a Sunday. Whether or not that works, we don't know. But keep saying this, and we keep you know coming up with different up. days to do it. Yeah, so I don't, just start. Just say we'll do it. We'll get to you when we get to you. You know, yeah, we appreciate exactly. your listens on whatever day of the week. Sunday's a good day to do it though. But anyway, it is, well, yeah. Um, massive thanks, as always, to our sponsors, uh, ZCZ Films. Um, you know, we appreciate all your support, uh, appreciate all your goodwill, gestures, and everything else that you do for us. So thank you very much for, for continuing to prop us up. Um, right, let's have a little nibble on the recap. Come rain or shine, it's time to relive the latest match action with the recap. This podcast is sponsored by ZCZ Films, Reading's oldest ultras. Alrighty. Um, well, one all against a, a reasonably high-flying Leighton Orient side. I think, you know, taking a step back, if, if you'd said after the week we've just had in terms of Derby and Leighton Orient that we would have got four points, I think most of us would have been um, would have been pretty pleased with that as, as a fan base. Um, Bobbins, let's, let's talk about the first half um to, to begin with, seems logical to, to start with the first half. I, I, I guess really it it was quite literally a game of two halves, and and from my point of view, certainly at half time, I was I was pretty pleased with with what I saw. Um, what you know, what were your thoughts on on that first forty five minutes? I, I think as you as you say, it, it definitely was a game of two halves, almost like four quarters at times it kind of ebbed and flowed quite a bit um we seem to take an you know an awful lot of um energy into the game from the the derby result um and and we, we started off really brightly um and i, I think we were we were doing okay we were, we were certainly been effective where we needed to be and then the penalty happened, and it was it was just like another game this season. I can't remember which one it was. I think it, again it was a penalty, and it just sort of sucked the wind right out of us. Um, but it didn't 
we didn't dwell on that at all, and we had a good chance from from Nibs, which he inexplicably missed. And then and then we scored, and you kind of thought, here we go. We're, we're, we're not going to have this for for too much longer. We're probably going to be in front anytime soon, and and it didn't quite happen. Um, and we probably needed to go in half time ahead, ideally, as as you would in any game, to be honest. But um, yesterday, it, it seemed to typify that even more. It's a really good point about that miss, actually, because I'd, I'd completely forgotten about that. I think he was, what, two, three mm-hmm. yards out? And, you know, Harvey Nibs has obviously weighed in with a fair amount of goals this season. You would have expected him to score that. Uh, but, you know, what were we, four or five minutes after we conceded, we got straight back in with what I'd class as a very, very textbook um, training ground goal, if you like. And I I, I thought, here we go. Like, like you, Bobbins, I thought the game's there to be won now. Just stay calm, stay in the game for the next you know, 10, 15 minutes or at least get to half-time and then, and then kick off in the second half. Um, it, it, it was very, very frustrating, I think, based on that first-half performance because I don't think we did an awful lot wrong apart from give away the penalty. And I know that sounds absolutely obvious, but like... No. We, we, you know, you you summed it up perfectly. It really did suck the wind out of us, and it was like this is really against the run of play here. And yeah. you know, the old Reading, and I say that really flippantly, but like, you know, the Reading that we would have seen two two months ago would have crumbled at that point. You know, you think Charlton away when we were in the game up until what sixtieth minute maybe, and then ended up conceding four in quick succession. So it it was, it, you know, based on that, it was a positive point, but. As as I said in in the column, and I know you mentioned in in your article, um, Bobbins, you know the kind of huff and puff, and you know we had a lot of of stuff going on there, but we didn't just have that end product, did we, Ross? What what was the reason for that? Well, I mean, I think there's some important context that needs to be considered with that. So we did score yesterday, and we could have scored more. Uh, that was the first uh, goal. Um, that Leighton Orient have conceded since December 23rd. So they went um, they went over a month without conceding. And then Reading spent 25 minutes really banging on the door and, and having a few chances. I think that the Nibs one is worth mentioning. Um, you know, I, I think that he just got his feet mixed up. Uh, and that was moments before he actually got the goal itself. So um, there's a good opportunity there. There was another um, corner that Savage put towards the near post that was flicked around by Smith. And we had a chance to score from that. So we had enough chances to actually win the game against a really good defense uh, yesterday. Just couldn't quite um, put one in the back of the net. I do think that um, so we, we we were playing a more of a 4-2-3-1 against Derby and, and looked quite fluid and um, attacked. Like we talked about on Wednesday, it was more in transition and more um, getting down the field really quickly with, with runners. Um, I expected that to be what we would see again uh, against uh, Leighton Orient, considering you know we had a completely unchanged lineup. But most um, sites right now, SofaScore or Y Scout, seem to be saying it was a four-one-four-one. So maybe returning to that um, formation. Um, quite so quickly might be a little bit jarring for the players. I don't know. That's very theoretical at this stage, but um, I'll be very interested to dive into that more uh, in a video later this week. Can you stop plugging your own work on this podcast? No, I can't. No, no, Can no. That's how this works. Give us a minute just to talk about other people other than yourself. Honestly. It's good. It's a good SEO, but uh, you know, in in audio format. Yeah. Well, they. I mean, they are good. They're they're, they're very very good videos. I have to say. And, Thank um, you. 
Yeah, but, we're, we're but anyway, well, yeah. Right Carry yeah, on. Yeah. Shut up. Um, he's going to well, That's what he's going to do, isn't he? Yeah, I know. I know he's going to outgrow me in this pod, and he's going to be on. I don't know. He's going to go solo, isn't he? Yeah, American <laughs> of football focus or something. I don't know. Soccer focus. I'm the Robbie Williams of this podcast. Anyway, yeah, yeah, true. Um, well, one of my issues really was was the subs in the second half. You know, he. And I say he, but Sellers, you know, he stuck with the same team, which I think was right. I think we sort of predicted that on the on the previous pod after the after the Derby win, um, because I think it's only fair for those players to go out and you know basically lose the game, you know, effectively. Um, he, he brought on Craig and Mola for Savage and Dorset, respectively, almost like for like, which for me, particularly in the case of Savage, kind of. I wouldn't say it killed our attack, but there was there was big gaps for me in, in the first half where Smith was was very much isolated on his own, and I didn't feel like the midfield were, were getting particularly close to him and kind of leaving him on his own. Really, with Savage on the pitch, and I said this on the last pod that we did, he he kind of is is potentially that link in terms of where we are, in terms of our moving forward and our our attacking phases. Wing, I didn't think, had a particularly good game yesterday. I thought he was carried a lot in, in parts. Whether or not he's carrying an injury, not sure. But he just didn't look quite right to me in terms of where I was sitting. Why, in terms of those substitutions, Bobbins, what, what was the logic behind, at that very moment, almost in a like-for-like? Like? I think for, for Dorset, I, I, I managed to, to, to look at a button at a certain point when the ball went dead. And he was screaming at Dorset. And I don't know whether it was some kind of instruction that wasn't getting to him or he wasn't doing the right thing. But to me, that kind of solidified the, the thought of why he was substituted. It, it was almost like he was he was misbehaving. He wasn't doing what he was told. So that's it, son, you're off. That's the only thing I can think of. Because otherwise, we were solid defensively. I mean, as usual, he doesn't offer a great... Go- Great things going forward. We know that. We know what to expect. But to substitute him, he didn't seem injured. He didn't seem to be, um, you know, too tired. Uh, he was still doing his usual stuff that we see. So it was a tricky one to see why he was why he was brought off. And and Mola didn't do anything that he didn't do. So it's a real weird one. Um, the reverse. For you know, Savage coming off for Craig, as you say, it, it killed a little bit of momentum. And and Craig does what Craig does; he wins the ball, pops it off to someone else, and and that's his job. And it's the kind of thing that you usually see when you're trying to, you know, solidify a game and see it out to bring on a, a more defensive midfielder. And we still needed to win that game, obviously. So that was a real strange one. Um, whether, you know, they've got data on the fly to say that Savage's performance was dropping off, so they decided to make a a, a database change, I don't know. But um, it, it does seem to be a habitual thing that we always change that position at some point in the second half. I can jump in on the um, data and the on the on the center mids and kind of stuff. I don't think Savage was having a poor game at all. No. Um, no. So we're looking at over eighty percent accurate passes. Um, he had all of his long balls completed yesterday, and he was also useful on those set plays. So. Um, sort of pushing the ball to the near post. And we kept trying it a little bit after he went off. 
to less success. Um, the key thing for me, looking at Savage and, and Craig yesterday, and I don't think that that I think that the conversation, you know, Craig hasn't helped himself or Sellers hasn't helped himself by Craig having not the best game when he did get on uh, yesterday. But if you look at the heat map, Craig was just so much further reserved than Savage for for most yeah. of the performance. Uh, Craig spent most of his time in Redding's half, whereas Redding spent most of their time, you know, or, or Savage spent most of his time in Orient's half. So it kind of gives you a sense of of what each player is trying to do with the ball. And, and yeah, speaks to that um, sense that we kind of went off the boil a bit after Savage was removed. So there's, there's two elements to this, really. Is it... Was it a situation where Sellers has been burned before in terms of actually saying, look, the game's on a, not a knife edge because it, it wasn't quite that close, I don't think, really. I, I felt like we were in the ascendancy for, for a lot of the game and, and probably had slightly better chances, potentially, from what I can remember in, in the second half. Do you think he kind of went, right, I'm going to shut up shop now on 60 minutes and just just you know at least get a point out of this? Because, you know, in terms of him actually keeping Savage on and, and trying to get those balls forward, it could have, in theory, left us open. The other thing I would say about it as well, and it's it's a question for you guys, is should we have won the game based on that first half performance? And if he hadn't taken those those two players off, in the case of Savage in particular, do you think that we would have won the game had he not made those subs? That's to the floor, by the way. Whoever wants to jump in, first. yeah, right, yeah. That's a the <laughs> dangerous thing to answer because you know, yeah, you, you you can never know a predictions. I I I think the Orient were pretty good. Um, they were one of the better teams, uh, and this was one of the better performances from an away team uh, at the Medeski in a little while. I think that Button um, made some good saves uh, yesterday and had one of his better performances in a, in a Reading shirt in, in recent weeks. So still had some weird David Button moments, but there was a good uh, fingertip save on a gay uh, who was a real problem throughout. I thought Bindon was pretty good yesterday, and yeah, I, I still thought uh, a gay was, if that's how you say his name, was was good so i i think that a draw was was kind of an accurate result at the end of the day and, and it is really agonizing not to win your home games when you are um you know in the relegation zone but at the start of the week if you think about wigan this game and the derby game i think most of us would have been thinking four to six points and that's a pretty good week came out of it with four maybe not in the order that we wanted but i'll take the point at home against orient to be honest mm. Any thoughts on that, Bobbins? Anything else to add? Yeah, I, I can't really disagree. I, I, no, I don't I know. Just say something controversial. <laughs> yeah. so it's all yeah. Let it be a drama pod. <laughs> <laughs> I think, as I wrote in my, my bit for the TTE, is that I, I think an awful lot of the subs are, are fitness management rather than yeah. anything to do with a, a tactical swap at times. And I don't know if it's a little bit too... Um, too literal and they kind of go he's flagging a little bit over the last 20 minutes or so let's swap him out because they can't afford to lose too many players and certainly in the, the, the attacking areas that we've got we've got so few options that are like for like um, yeah that's true we make other changes instead that are like for like even if they don't really make too much sense whether we were trying to see that game out a little bit because of fitness issues um that's a consideration perhaps but 
Yeah, it, it's it is a weird one. With you know, he's openly said that he's managing Yeardom's time due to right. his injury, and you know, playing three games in a week. He's not done that since his his return. So yeah, I can kind of get that a little bit. Um, yeah, that worked a treat against Derby when they brought on uh, Blackett Taylor and Mbengue just matched him for pace. That's great when that works out. But in other situations, you've got to wonder, as you said, are we trying to win a game when we, we, t- we take off a creative midfielder? Yeah. I mean, I have to say, the last couple of games, Yeardon's been fantastic. And I, I don't know where yeah. this has come from. Maybe having a spell out of injury has, has, has done him good in terms of rest. But... You know, certainly the the work that he was getting through against Archibald yesterday was a real handful in that first half. Like he was, there was a lot of shirt pulling, there was a lot of physicality in the game. Um, and you know, when you look at the kind of the amount of shuttle runs that that Yeardom and Dorset were doing, maybe it did make sense to take Dorset off. I don't know. Like they Just, they were getting through a lot of work, but as you said, Bobbins at the start, you know, not not from an attacking point of view, but just keeping up with the level of play, just covering their ground and, and being really defensively solid. And I guess yeah. the, the main frustration was, was, you know, conceding a penalty on a handball when actually up until that point, we'd been pretty tight as a unit. You know, they were, they were almost on strings in terms of how they were, you know, going up and down the pitch as a unit. So, yeah, it's 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 good to see a year on back to his best. I, I really like Dorset as a player. I think he he's got a lot of potential. I think there's still work to be done in terms of you know asking him to actually get on the ball a little bit more in those positions. Um, and the the other player really that I wanted to mention before we close it out was Makairu because I thought he particularly against Derby he was very good. I thought he carried the ball very well again yesterday. Um, he was I mean he was taken off what sixty nine minutes. Something like that. So, Something like that, yeah. Yeah. I got uh, one one last thing to say on the substitutes because I, I think, and maybe this is, should have been the first thing I said on on all of this, but um, you get momentum trackers now on on a lot of the you know it's on on FOTMOB and SofaScore and other places like that, and the momentum had swung very much to Leighton Orient in the fiftieth through the sixtieth minute. Um, on, on trackers on different sites, so checking that data across a few places, it does actually swing massively back to Reading for the next five to ten minutes um, before Orient get control of the game again. So, not saying you know overall the substitutes were were correct or incorrect, but there is a swing towards Reading in terms of momentum after um, those substitutes actually gone. And I think that that's probably referring to there was an Aziz chance, um, where I think he sort of tried to cross it in on the, on the bounce, um, shortly after that. So they're probably referring to things like that. Um, but just at least we're worth noting to give, give sellers some benefit of the doubt that the, in terms of momentum, it actually swung towards Reading after those substitutes. Yeah. And, you know, to be honest, we get the point out of it. No, one's really hugely disappointed given where we were, as I said, to, you know, month and a half, two months ago. The important mm-hmm. thing is to not lose anything. You know, yeah. to keep picking up points, keep ticking over, and it it kind of teases up very nicely to to next week, which we'll we'll talk about at the back end of this pod. Really, um, we, we've got quite a lot to talk about in the mailbag, so I want to get into that um, now. So let's have a very short break, and then jump straight into your questions. Keep up to date with all things Reading FC. Follow the Tilehurst End on Facebook and Twitter. This podcast is proudly sponsored by ZCZ Films. Remember, if you want to get involved in sponsoring the show, drop us an email to thetilehurstend at gmail.com. Right then, mailbag time. Um, it's massive this week. Bulging. 
feel like yeah. a, a, a postman, but not involved in a scandal. <laughs> so uh, we've got we've got quite a lot to, to talk about, really. Jonathan Sparkzilla thirteen, that's good. All right, that's really good. He says, "Oh, I never catch these question times. Well, you have today, so well done for that. You, you're there you here. Go. You're very welcome. How come when Bindon plays an overhit long ball out of play, fans turn toxic and shout abuse, but when Wing does it, his efforts are applauded?" Who wants to take that one? I got. Can I have a pop on? I I know where they're coming from. I I don't know if it's like as hyperbolic because obviously you know that yeah. is the way it is. But but I know where they're coming from. It, it's it's because I think um, wing traditionally, you know, it's kind of like a this is a silly comparison for a Reading player, but it's kind of like a PLO esque sort of positional player, isn't it? Where you're lofting balls from deep and you're you know it's expected of you that you're going to be doing that from the position that he's playing whereas for center backs i think it's a little less um common that you've got a passing center back like binden binden by the way had the highest percentage of long pass accuracy yesterday i think he yeah. had 11 of 21 or maybe i don't know i can't remember but he he did well he was over 50 percent in that regard i think it's just when you're building up for the back and you spank it out you know and waste the opportunity it's always you know you live by minute to minute when you're in the stadium, don't you? And and you're there to be expressionistic. Is that the right term? I don't know. So, well, I'm, I'm, I don't think we're we're quite in Matt Mills territory of Binden yet in terms of those long balls going out of play. But like, do you know one thing I did see him do? So after the ref gave the penalty for the handball, which from where I was sat was was a good decision, I have to say. Yeah, it um, looked right on the, the TV. Yeah, it was. The the ball came in. And as it came in, Binden put his arms down by his side and behind his back so that it wouldn't hit his arms, which is, you know, to be fair, for a young player, is quite intelligent. He already knows the ref's going to be looking for that. He's managed to clear the ball and not, not handball it in the process. I just thought it was it was quite quick thinking from him, really, especially when the ball was rifled in at that speed. Um, but, you know, I kind of get what Jonathan's saying. Like, that around me, there wasn't too many rumblings with Binden, but I know that Ross has has come up for um, some competition with his ratings yesterday because <laughs> some <laughs> other publications, which we won't mention, uh, ranked Binden very poorly. Um, but I think that he's the kind of player who's going to do that. Like, he's going to split opinion. Like, he... Um... You could see, especially against Derby, like Holmes would just essentially give the ball over to him to distribute um, a, a few times. And um, I don't know. It's just like a, a very modern kind of center back. When you think about like he's come from absolutely nowhere, like the LAFC Academy to yeah. suddenly like starting nearly every game in League One this season. Uh, he, he's obviously Abby has been the big performer for Reading from defense as, as a teenager and, and, and is now sadly gone. But Binden has been not in that category, but still pretty excellent um, for, yeah. for a lot of the season, in my opinion. I mean, Bobbins, he, he goes on to say, he's, he's asked another question. He misses it all the time, apparently, but now he's got two questions in there. There you Jonathan. go. Well, he's got to get his um, money's worth. Well, yeah, exactly. An advantage here. Yeah. Yeah. How come Smith, uh, how come when Smith can't hold up a ball to save his life, it's the ref's fault or poor service? slash lack of support but when kelvin faces these issues he's just not good enough similar style of question really why is that bobbins oh my god that's a tricky one um i would say um i would say when kelvin does it you kind of think that he's got the range he's, he's got the legs he's got the mobility to possibly do better with it with well, the smith is it's a little bit more compact and he's usually got you know 
a big centre-back on his back in the process, perhaps. Um, I think with Kelvin, you get a little bit frustrated with him quite easily. Um, it's, his, it's his inexperience. It's a similar thing with Binden. I think I, I think people forget how little football they've actually played in their actual career. And to get on their backs pretty quickly it is quite harsh. Um, funnily enough, I, I did have a discussion in, in a McDonald's once with a guy who said Kelvin should be starting over Smith. And I said, in no world should Smith be dropped if he's fit. Sorry, what, 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 you having this conversation in a McDonald's? Yes, mate. What, 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 what's going on there? Well, it was before the game, obviously, and there's a McDonald's very close by. You know, doesn't take a what? genius to work that one out. And he just went, oh, I think, he just shouted out, I think Kelvin should be starting over Smith. That's well, hilarious. You, know, you, you just got talking over stuff because, you know, you had both had a bit of colours on, so you could tell who was who. And, and then he, he just he just started. He, he was clearly a Kelvin fan. Oh, yeah. And, you know, yeah. you're trying to explain, it's like, no, he can't start games. It, it's just too much for him at the moment. You've got to play a player like Smith. He is. He, he's going to start every single yeah. game regardless. It doesn't really matter, you know, what Kelvin does in training. Smith is going to start, guaranteed. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I, I like Kelvin personally, but... I, I agree with you. Smith is, you know, he's like the linchpin of what we're trying to do. The Peterborough um, game a, a month ago is kind of the best example of Smith versus Kelvin right now. And I do actually think Kelvin is not a bad sub and doesn't get as many minutes as he should do. Um, I think Smith can go off the boil by minute 70 in the game because he's running his legs off for the entirety of it before mm. then. Um, but yeah, no, he's a better player than, than Kelvin at the moment for sure. I mean, Mick Bay goes on to say it's more of a statement, really. Uh, the service to Smith wasn't good, and maybe Ruben doesn't see him as that type of centre-forward or target man. I felt he was forced to chase after his own chances. I mean, that's exactly spot on, really, Mick. I think that's... I don't know about whether Ruben sees him as a as that type of forward or not, but certainly he was, he was doing an awful lot of running with very little uh, reward yesterday. So... I mean, I would always, I would love to see two up top, but that's not going to happen for for a long time, if ever, with with this manager. So, we just have to grin and bear it, and and hope that we can keep grinding results out. Um, George George Dorsey's back, shooting stars knockoff, probably, hopefully. I think the second half performance and subs not working are the same issue. Some youth players aren't ready for the step up yet, so we needed to add more attacking players to the team in this window, as our first choices are getting tired. Absolutely spot on, George. And if you want to take over the club and give us a transfer war chest, we would love that. But I don't yes. think that's, that's going to happen either, unfortunately. But that's, yeah, that that's pretty much in line with, well, personally, what, what I think. Um, it, kind of a, a, a sidestepping question here. But, you know, Ross, in terms of not just the stats, but the way that you saw the game yesterday, who looks the most tired at the moment to you? Who needs a rest? Oh, that's a um, that's a that's a really good question. I think that I do try. I do try to ask good questions. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I think that um, if you're saying that you know there there are some that thought that wing might be carrying an injury, then then perhaps it would be great to be able to give a player like that a rest. But like, is there really are there that many players other than him who can? keep reading creative it would be interesting to see a midfield of sort of savage nibs and craig to see you know with craig behind him if savage can get forward and replicate what wing does a little more but i do think that you know he's just too essential right now um i think that the other player that we've talked about although he is starting to come into his own a bit now um you know the the player that i think about with this question is makairo 
um because i because i want our winger opposite to femi to also be dangerous you know you look at crossing stats from the the most recent games and it's just femi 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 throughout like much of the game uh and then eventually like some of the other players get involved you know sometimes wing is is in the half space in a space where he can cross it into the box um so i wonder if actually the player who needs a rest is femi but i'm only thinking of makairu because i want makairu to be you know firing on all cylinders and um you know just like providing a bit more balance to reading's attack it was all going down the right side again yesterday you can see it in smith's um positional chart where he's always heading over that direction to go and get the ball so um i guess another winger i i think that's a good point about we we should have brought in forwards this window if we could and maybe if we still have a chance to that would be the one thing i think reading could do with is a um some sort of some sort of winger um at the moment to to give femi another option um, right, so talking about midfield and wing and all that kind of stuff, Josh Buck says, have we missed Ben Elliott? I know I completely forgot he was on AFCON duty, but could he make a difference to us right now? Um, Bobbins, shoot. Yeah, definitely. I mean, funny enough, I forgot about him as well when I wrote my yeah. piece this morning. <laughs> completely forgot that he, he was away and, and, and he can come back now as well. So when Ross was talking about wing, the nearest kind of play you've got to that is is Ben. Um, I mean, they're, they're not comparable, but they're both creative midfielders, albeit vastly different. Ben wouldn't play the same kind of long-range balls that wing loves to do, but he can carry. So the dynamic would change completely in midfield. But if if you need to do it and you have to do it, Ben's a good enough player to, to 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 fit in. I mean, he he'd possibly play if he had to rest Nibs. He's probably a more natural position for a replacement for Harvey. Um, but a lot of the problem with that is that Elliot hasn't played an awful lot of football for us. And when he has played, traditionally he's been in a wide area. And as Ross says, if McCary still has a bit of fitness about him, he's going to play all the time. So ideally, you want to play Ben centrally where he, he should should have been playing all along. So he could be a really good addition um, for the last few months of the season for sure. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. If I'm honest, I haven't kept up to date with the African Cup of Nations. Oh, all, it's been great. You've missed out. It's been well, really, I don't really know fun. where Cameroon are. I don't know if they're still involved. I don't, I don't know. No, they're, they're, out they're out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't worry. So there, is a, there is a possibility that he will come back into the squad for yeah. next Saturday. You'd imagine that would happen, wouldn't you, I guess? So there's there's possibilities there. Um, final one on the midfield. Uh, Tom Hill, who you will know, uh, debuted, was a debutante on a pod that Ross did last Sunday, actually, which is really good, available in the back catalogue. Um, he asks, uh, in my opinion, our midfield is the strongest part of our team this season. Do you think our CM options of Wing, Nibs, Craig, Savage, Elliot are overall better than last season's Loom, Hendrick, Fauna, Cassidy? I saw that one come in. Oh, it's a really interesting question. I don't know about Cassidy. Cassidy's just been recalled to Chelsea. Um, 
partly because they have injury issues in the middle, which is mad, by the way, for for the team that <laughs> he, got. He's not going to play for Chelsea, is he? He's, he's not going to play player. much for Chelsea, but if he plays a little bit, like considering that they bought Lavia and Caicedo in the summer, it's just madness. But anyway, yeah. um, what was the question again? Oh yeah, those, those centimeter issues. I do actually kind of, I because you know Jeff Hendrick rubbish. Uh, Loom was just sort of like erratic. He was yeah. like a good footballer playing in a blindfold, um, like just trying to work out his way around the pitch. I don't even know. Um, so, yeah, I guess like we've got a more varied bunch. And I actually think in terms of the potential of this group, um, it's it's a little bit higher. Obviously, there wasn't much more to come and there isn't much more to come from from Jeff Hendrick, I don't think, unfortunately. So, um, yeah, I, I would say so. Just about maybe maybe not like if you put them up against each other in uh, in a four, three, three or whatever, or in a five a side game, um, you know, maybe the quality of the of the experienced heads that we had last season would win out. But I don't know. I think there's more potential in the current group for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, let me let me flip that question a bit for you, Bobbins. Do you think uh, that current midfield of Wing, Nibs, Craig, Savage, Elliot, and anyone else you want to throw into that bundle could play week in, week out in the championship and you know compete at that level? Well, Wing did. Um, that's for sure. Um, I guess I guess Nibs could. Uh, yeah. But it, again, it, it's that flip, as as Ross says, and I keep referring to what Ross has said. But a lot of our players don't have the experience, they don't mm. have the minutes to be comparable between the two. In time, players like Savage, players like Elliot, would definitely have potential to to be championship players. Um, but you know, it's a needs must thing for our midfield. It's been cobbled together, um, you know very recently um the other players have been around the track a bit more and can and can fit in and, and adapt because they've got the off-field experience of going to new clubs and they know what that's like so yeah it's a very tricky one to answer to be honest i think if we can get through this season and by this season i mean stay up that that midfield there is is a really good base for the future yeah and you look at you look at last season and they were you know, you use the you use the word cobbled together this season. You're right, Bobbins. But last season, like there there was no real thought process to those midfielders. It was like, great, he's we can get him on a loan. He's experienced. Chuck him in, see what happens. There, there was very little, in my opinion, creativity with those players, apart from Castro, who we didn't have long enough, mm. quite frankly. But actually, when you look at the basis of what whoever's brought these players in has tried to do. There's there's logic. It's just the issue is that that Sellers hasn't been able to work out how to play them all together, or at least develop a, a sensible system that's actually going to work for them. So, I'm more positive about this current crop of midfielders than I've been for a long time, despite the fact that we are where we are in, in the league. Um, it's just my you know ten pounds worth anyway. Yeah. Um, Sam Richards, why is Vickers struggling to make any kind of impact off the bench? Was really impressed with him early in the season. Is it purely a confidence thing? Ross? That's a good question. And um, I actually think that the when Ben Elliott's name got mentioned earlier, if we were playing in that sort of 4-2-3-1, whereby you're a little less sequestered out on the touchline as the furthest left player, then Elliott might be able to play quite well in that group because I think he is more of a, a 10 and a, is sort of attacking midfielder um, than, than any other particular kind of midfielder. I think he 
dwells a little too long sometimes when um you know when, when he is further back why is vickers not playing so well vickers doesn't seem to have picked up the playing style that Sellers wants quite as quickly as some of the other players i i noticed this more when i was getting to watch him in the flesh but um he's not quite moving the ball on as quickly as some of the players around him want something we talked about in the build-up video a lot was how writing will try this sort of like quick one two around the around the wide defender um sort of at the halfway line or or even sort of at the entrance to the opponents of opposition third um and vickers isn't the best at doing that um so sometimes nibs will go down his side looking for that exact play and vickers won't be able to do it um vickers instead is trying to look to get the ball out at his feet and and you know take on a defender or, or something like that so I think Vickers is sort of, uh, you know, freestyling while, while some of his teammates are playing, you know, the style that Sellers wants. And and I think that um, whether or not it's the right style, the team has started to pick up what Sellers wants and and play it. And and they do a better job of playing it, sorry, um, than they have in, in previous months. So I think that's part of what's going on with Vickers. I, I think he hasn't quite picked up the playing style as much as he is just a, a very talented individual player. Going to be interesting to see what happens with him transfer-wise. You know, there's obviously been a lot of noises about, well, I say a lot of noises, whether or not they're credible sources, who knows. But, you know, Real Madrid have... have I love that one. That's so, like, obviously... I mean, like, I don't have a clue, like, you know, about any of this stuff. So take and nothing I say with any kind of validity. But that one is so obviously... This is Real Madrid Vickers or whatever. It's so obviously not right to me. Yeah. Like, no, so, sorry, yeah. wrong. It, it, uh, like, yeah, it's not serious. It's, it's, it's like a... If this happens now, like egg on my face, like whatever, that's fine. I just think that one, that one made me laugh as soon as it, it popped up. I was like, "Ooh, that's brazen. That's not real." You, you'll be the first one out there buying a Vickers Real Madrid shirt. <laughs> I so. will be, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Andy Taylor, this is one for you, Bobbins. If T Mac goes, is it a loss? He's hardly played this season. Is very injury prone and is unlikely to sign a new deal based on his disappointment with the state of the club. Um, I, I guess really the question is, Bobbins, are you T Mac stay or T Mac go? I'm T Mac stay because he's a body, <laughs> pure and simple. You can, you don't get rid of a player just because. Um, if he wants to go and uh, and all that kind of stuff, then then so be it. But if you've got a choice to keep him, you keep him because we can't afford to be one one defender down. And he, he's multifaceted. He can play left back, although I don't like him there. He can play DC, and I don't like him there. But he can play DM as well. So you you can move him around, and he, he'll equally do a job. He, he may not be the best player on the team, but he certainly wouldn't let you down. Um, so, yeah, I, I'd keep him in, in every sense of the word. Yeah, I mean, look, I, if he does go, you know that we're going to get a really long message about love the club, this, that, that. And, and I know it's everyone's prerogative to do that, but I just, I don't know, as, as a fan being left with it, I just don't want to hear it, to be honest with you. Like, I just don't, I, I get it's emotional, I get it's, it's, it's difficult, blah, blah, blah. But I just, just go, have your move. Thanks for everything. See you later on. That's, that's where I'm at with that. I think you got to let Abby do his, you know, 
do his goodbye post. Yeah, that's gonna. Can. Every player is gonna do that. That's fine. Like it, it is what it is. And I mean, well, this like, is his only club, isn't it, that he's ever had? Exactly. So yeah. I, see, I see the point. Yeah, it's like his. He's he's almost like he's saying goodbye to his school as well as he's saying. Goodbye yeah, 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 his, yeah. It, like it is that to a degree. It's. I think he said like it's where he's become a man or whatever. Which I was like, yeah, that's yeah. about right. And then like I was saying, I think something I saw in like the talk about him was like or, or about him going to Olympiacos was that he went um to you know their training facilities and stuff it's just like oh god yeah this is clearly a, a good move for my career and I'm like yeah yeah if you're a player who's got a chance of playing European football then you might you know you see that you're yeah. like okay this is this is how I get there yeah in the case of Abby in the week I'm sure we meant it but at that moment in time I just didn't want to hear about how but with that one I'll, I'll raise at least with that one he like picked a shot of the club that uh only makes sense if you're paying attention somewhat online whereas like a lot of players will give you like one paragraph and it's like them standing like this in yeah. their shot right. their media day shots from the start of the season in their perfectly clean kit like Thank you so much, Watford. I will never forget playing at Vicarage Road. That <laughs> no one says that about Watford. Well, exactly. <laughs> I'm off to dinner easy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but look, I said at the time maybe I was being too harsh. I don't know, but I just, I, I, you know, given the current state of the club, like just if you're going to go, just go, and then we can all move on with our lives, basically. And I don't, I don't want players to leave. Like I don't. I mean, there's well, there's one or two that I would desperately love to leave, but generally, as as you said, Bobbins, it's it's a body, and we're not going to be able to replace these players. And you, no. you know, you know that you're going to get at least a bit of commitment from the players that we've got now. You you, you could bring in anybody and not get that commitment. So, you know, I, I don't want any of our players to leave currently. I, I really don't. You know, the bulk of the players that have been in and around the squad this season, I, I just, it's not helpful. It's really not helpful. And I, we have to stay in this league. You know, as the Port Vale guy said the other week, we've got a buffer, you know, in terms of not being in League Two. And that's that's so important for this club at the moment to to stay in this in this, um, in this this League One anyway. A um, couple more, and then I think we're, we're off to Oxford. Um, Mountain Mike, where do you think we would be in the table if we had had a proper pre-season? And to jump onto that purple turtle, great handle. Will we be relegated this season? There you go. There's two for you. Yeah, that's uh, that's a grim one. I don't think we'd be that much further along. And the reason I say that is because we were playing with the four-two-two-two for a long period of the season. So I think we would have persisted with that longer if we had spent longer installing that in in. Um, preseason so maybe we would have had time to install a, a, a plan b as it were but i think sellers has showed himself to be relatively stubborn a few times this season uh he seems stubborn about staying at running football club despite the malaise so um i, I think we'd be around about where we are i think we've been improving for a few months now and we're going to continue to not improve necessarily from here but continue to churn out performances are around this level and, and pick up points at around this sort of rate which means that we're going to score something like close to 50 points i think before the end of the season something like that so if we did that in most of the last few seasons we would stay up 
Um, so I think at the moment we're going to stay up. It's it's not going to be by a whole lot. And it's been disheartening to sort of get out of the relegation zone against Exeter and then go straight back in there and be four points adrift or, you know, suddenly be more than one game adrift. Um, but there's quite a few teams um, in a small group above us, what, like five or six teams within six points of us or something like that. So, and some of those teams are dropping like a stone right now too. So I think if Reading just keep, you know, just stay patient, um, keep, you know, trusting that what the way in which they're playing at the moment is working, they should, should keyword should pick up the points they need with, um, you know, with it, with what, like 18 more games to go. Bobbins, are we, are we capable of this squad of, of finishing mid table? Yeah, I don't see why not. I, I think, I think if you if you take it with all the players playing at their peak, then yeah, not a problem. The issue we have is fitness and tiredness, and keeping you know that core of seven or eight players at least that we play week in week out capable of playing every game. If we if we have to go without Smith for a few games, you wonder what the results could be like. If we take Femi out, mm. where's the service going to come from? You know, it's all those kind of situations. In a perfect world, we'll, we'd be fine. But it's what what happens when we don't have those players for a few games or, you know, one of them does a, a hamstring and that's it, they're out for the season. We don't have that those like-for-like like replacements. But to your point earlier, Ben, that you alluded to, now, when we play teams, we don't look second best. We we didn't look second best against Derby. We didn't look second best against Orient. We looked sadly at sorts against Wigan. But you know you're going to have those. But now we're playing to a level which is you know very much reasonable for League One. We don't look like a relegation side. We just happen to be there because of our horrific start and the formation that we, we played in from the get-go. And it, and it just didn't work. So now, you know, we've always been playing catch-up. Um, but yeah, it's certainly we, we've got the potential to, to finish around about 14th, 15th. Like Exeter is showing now, you know, a few wins and and you, you go bouncing up the table. I'm growing less and less frustrated every time I watch us play. I think part of my issue, you know, certainly the start and, and to the middle part of October and November time was just the absolute frustration with the way the team was set up and the, the kind of, not the lack of commitment, but like just the kind of the stupid mistakes we were making. And, and that was really, really irritating, to be honest. I don't, I don't, I don't have those feelings anymore. You know, we, we talked about the Wigan game last week and, you know, Ross described it as meh, and it, it was that you just knew that that game was coming. And actually, just that you might as well just have it at that game. Like, no one's really watching it. Like, yeah, obviously, we want to pick up the points, but actually, that's a really good game to lose in terms of just getting out of your system and not having a, you know, the kind of a pressure game that we have to win. Do you know what the problem was with that game? They had a hotel room. Those plush, high-paid, <laughs> you know, with their damn hotel room. And I bet they use the mini bar too. I bet they have one of those little cans of Coke or whatever. Yeah, that they had to pay for themselves. Did right. you see the the, um, the Twitter account um, for the club called Paul McIrie Microwave Meal Call? <sighs> that was spicy, Mike, wasn't it? Microwave, yeah. yeah. Microwave meal Makairu, not Paul. Yeah, oh that, yeah, that. Right, yeah. I just thought that was really funny, really, really funny, and on point as well. Love a tweet that's on point. Um, final question, 
because we've had a lot of them. Uh, Justin, talking of, of beverages and food and all that sort of stuff, the club had run out of Bovril on Tuesday night, which highlights how bad things have got. How can you run out of Bovril? Like, do you not just have it? Because it's not like it's fresh, right? It's in those little cups that you rip the lid off and you just pour the water in. Right. How is there not any more available? I just uh, just burn yeah, some yeah. coffee and use that. It's the same thing. I actually, you know what? I actually had a coffee yesterday. Black. It was all right, actually. I was okay. fearing the worst, but it wasn't too bad. And the other thing I saw advertised was a lamb donna sausage roll. How does that work? I mean, you take the lamb donna, put it in a sausage, roll but it up. The sausage is the, the it's not, I suppose, well, sausage yeah, shaped. kinds of sausage. I don't know. It just seems a bit like food fraud to me. Yeah. Well, is it lamb donna? For mini donuts in, the, uh, in your stand. In the in the donut, yeah, mini donuts. Oh my word! Right, so. Goodness me! Incredible things are happening at the. At I the just found things in the bottom of the freezer thing, and I just digging them out. <laughs> yeah, 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 we've had these since 2016. Chuck them out; they'll be fine. Preservatives and all that. <laughs> be so Reading FC to be yeah, honest. Exactly, um, Justin. I'm sorry that happened. I I don't have the words for that, unfortunately. Yeah, I don't know why that happened. Um. You could always email them, I guess, and say, why did that happen? But that does seem bizarre because they're just cups. That they, I don't know, whatever. But they, they'd run out. I don't know what he didn't say. Yeah, crazy. Um, right, let's let's talk about, let's head to the preview. Let's head to Oxfordshire and talk about Oxford in the preview, which is coming up right now after this break. There's another huge game ahead for the Royals. So be loud and be proud for the big match preview. Right, Saturday, 3rd of February, the Thames Valley Derby of Hate. Um, we, we go to Oxford for the first time in a very long time. Um, that glorified car park in Oxfordshire. Uh, currently sits seventh on 49 points, but they are... They are not in good form. They lost 3-1 to Brizzy Rovers yesterday. Uh, nice. They had 10 shots on target. Oh, sorry, 10 shots, but five on target. That's not bad going, really, is it? Um, I, I think I think we're in for a bit of a, a war of attrition game. They had 553 passes, according to the stats website that I used, and 58% possession, which is quite high, really, considering yeah. that they actually lost the game. They did um, similar things when they came to visit us. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, on top of that, over the six games or over the last six games, they are 13th overall in the form table. Uh, we're 12th for perspective. And their home form over those six games uh, puts them in 16th. So we are playing a team that probably isn't showing that they are just outside the playoffs at the moment. Um, Ross, what do you... What do you anticipate from from this game, and what what, what do you expect will happen? Um, it's difficult to predict. I think that both sets of players will be up for it. Obviously, Smith and Nib seem to love a a game with a little bit of bite to it. They love a, a shushing celebration, so I'm sure they'll be they'll be well up for for proceedings. I wouldn't be surprised if we see Michael Craig come back if they are going to play in this four one four one again, and um, Reading try and you know just keep Oxford out of dangerous areas. They're going to have to let them have the ball a lot, obviously, because that is how Oxford play. But 
Um, I think the I was looking at recoveries and Reading were doing a really good job versus Derby against uh, at recovering the ball in the middle of the field. And if we can get a lot of you know if Harvey Nibs is up for it, and we can get a lot of um, tackles you know from him and, and attack starting because of that, then I think the we've got a good chance of picking up some goals early on and, and running away with a game like that because. I don't know. I just think that when you've got a team that wants to pass around you a bunch, sometimes the the pressing teams like Reading are um, are a good antidote to that. Um, you know, like a, a lot of the pressing structures of the last five to ten years have been invented as a sort of like a, a an answer to the Pep Guardiola teams and, and things like that. So I, I don't know. I think that we're we're a pretty good matchup against them. We were um pretty good against them even though we were in very different stages of our season last time we saw them. So yeah, with the fans well behind the team and uh with with players like Smith and Nibs well up for it, I think we've got a good chance of winning this one. But I think we'll win every game. So, you know, maybe I'm too optimistic. Bobbins, are we are we going there to win or, or are we going there to not lose? What do you think? I think we're going there to win simply because we've got a week off. So we're going to be full of energy again, you'd think. And it's the only week off we've got until March. So it's our last chance if you really want to go balls out and go and get a win, then, then by all means try and do so however as ross says we're not going to get an awful lot of the ball we're going to be sitting in and, and countering and and you know hoping a, a press turnover pays off so we'll be conserving a, a little bit of energy by not running around so much you'd think but it's oxford they, they're going to want to win the fans are going to demand it and it'll be such a reward to to you know to do that on on their turf and it'll set us up away from home for the rest of the season you'd imagine so so yeah i i can't imagine that we're just going to sit there and gladly take a point if it comes to a point in the game where it, it looks like it's the best course of action then yeah but from the outset play cannily play tactically but yeah yeah certainly go for a, a squeaky one niller mm, I, I think if we go there and we try and be defensive we'll, we'll lose um, I think they will just swamp us, really. The, the positive, I guess, if you want to look at it that way, is that Oxford actually play Portsmouth on Tuesday evening, and that's not going to be an easy game for them at all, given how mm, you know Portsmouth are positioned. Um, so yeah, the, the week off will be will be telling. I think there'll be an awful lot of people up for it. I think it's twelve thirty for a reason, um, you know, we'll, and we'll leave it at that. But you know, it's it's. Yeah, it's it's going to be a feisty one. It's going to be um, a testy one. It's it's going to be a game as as you say, Bobbins, that will set us up for for quite frankly must win games away, particularly in the shape of Carlisle yeah. and, and Fleetwood that are coming up thick and fast. So yeah, it's it's really really important that that we get something out of the game. And and yeah, I would agree. I think we have to go there and, and, and win the game and set up to win. Um, I would I would keep the same the team the same, providing there's no injuries. And just just go for it, you know. I'd I'd rather see us go into this game and, and kind of die trying than you know lose and, and be sort of passive and, and let them you know swamp all over us. Basically, I think is what I said earlier. So um, yeah, let's let's see what happens. They're going to be a lot of fans. We sold out very very quickly. 
Um, speaking of sellouts, Portsmouth game, the away game, which is on the 17th of February. Tickets go on sale with uh, selling criteria tomorrow morning, as in Monday morning. So this morning, if you're listening to it on Monday, which you will do. Um, so be quick on those. Um, yeah, big week. Big week in the Thames Valley. Week. Massive week. Large week. Yeah. Large week. Huge week. Huge, Oxford yeah. week. Big week in the Thames Valley. Big week in the Thames Valley Police Department. Bobbins, give us give us an adjective for big. Enormous. Great. That was the one I was thinking of. You've won. You've charmed me. You can come back again. That's your prize. Hey. <laughs> uh, but listen, I hope you've enjoyed it. It's good that you're back on again. Really, really good to see you as always. Keep keep with the, the articles. If you haven't checked out Bobbins, there's five things from yeah. every game. They are very, very digestible five things, and it's written in a very, very accessible way. So even early readers can access it, which is great. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of, we'll, we'll leave it there. Uh, enjoy those. Ross, get on your videos again. I want to see loads of tactical analysis with words I don't understand. Yep, we'll do progressive carries. That, yes. AKA dribbling. Yep, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, have a lovely week, everybody. Look forward to next Saturday and uh, come on, you arts. Bye.